Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. You're listening to Live from the Path. We're coming to you from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. I did. We talk, we, okay, we didn't quite talk about it. I thought it was implied that you were not to make that noise. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't catch on. <laughs> it just seemed like the right thing to do. I mean, it did get plenty of... We're talking to Howard Dean, right? That, I mean, that got plenty of play when it happened. You know that they had a poll. I don't know why this is coming to me right now. But they did a poll of like where... Um, teenagers spend most of their time online. Anybody want to guess? Uh, uh, Discord. Discord is Ben's guess. Nathaniel. YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, uh, YouTube. It's got to be the YouTube. Yeah, it's it's definitely YouTube. Like hands down, like beating the pants off social media. Huh. Like ninety five percent. Yeah, I read something about that recently too. That, that yeah, they just don't care about social media. Uh, yeah. Maybe they're smart. Anyway, that's where you'd see that video of Howard Dean going. Yeah. Yeah. I saw I mean, an article about like the if you ask a, a, a junior higher what is, what he wants to be when he grows up, he's most likely to say a YouTuber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make Actually, the bucks. I've had multiple kids tell me that they have full plans to be a YouTuber. Remember when it used to be like I play professional football or something, and now they're like, nah, I just be on YouTube. I know. Actually, I was convicted about that because <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I'm yelling at these kids like, look, that is not a legit job, you know. But like, no one told me that when I was. You know, thought I was going to play on the Bulls or whatever when I was six, white, and living in an apartment building. And so, like, <laughs> no one crushed my dreams. I got this. <laughs> hey, man. Steve Shoes. Steve Kerr and John Paxson eventually, uh, you know, they made it to the NBA. Yeah. That, that think, could be you. I mean, if, if the whole world, if the whole world of basketball, if they say, like, 2% of people even have a chance at the pros, the white guy <laughs> from the apartment building has got to be somewhere down the point oh oh six. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, the YouTube's it, though. I, I, I have some, some YouTube. Uh, videos on fasting that's just gone crazy, right? And I thought to myself, I'm going to make another little thing like that, just a little series of short little videos. And today, like this is how I do things. I slop things together and say, yeah. yeah. When I, <laughs> if I put some more time in it, it could have been really good, probably. Yeah. But I did like six little videos on, on short-term mission trips, how to plan a short-term mission trip, you know? And yeah. I just kind of, you know, I didn't like write a script or anything. I just kind of said, yeah, do this. And I cut it into six pieces. Then I looked at it and thought, this might be an embarrassment. Huh. But, but then you uh, went forward. But it's still there. It's on there yeah. right now. Yeah. You hit publish. Someone already liked. Someone liked it. But then five minutes, like, whoa! I don't, I'm a YouTube sensation. Yeah. <laughs> I told I've got four views. So there's uh so so caps for steel still does awesome. It's got like 1.2 million views. Yes. And so I told I told some of the some kids that I was teaching in class and like wow over a million views and I'm like do not look at the other thousand videos we put out that have like 50 views or less yeah which is the rest of them yeah the stuff with actual content yeah the Six. stuff yep stuff that's important to me i'd like to define my life by nothing yeah caps for sale 14, 14 people watched the show last week <laughs> but we got YouTube. some good monkey sounds <laughs> caps for sale all right you're listening to live from the path here's what we have going on the show this this evening i i'm gonna propose something about Marriages Proposed. that I've been that I have been uh, I, I don't know, I, that I'm flirting with over the last number of weeks, and it has to do with 
what it what it means for the woman to be a helper. Uh-huh. Uh, and and I think I think my 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 running theory is uh, well. I think a lot of times the belief is that that reference is some some indication of a subservience um, between women and men. I think it is far more an indication of a man's frailty than it is an indication of um, than trying to speak something about a lady. And so, but I'll but I'll I'll, um, I'll unpack that. I always thought it was kind of a laziness thing because Adam named the animals and God's like, you're not going to clean up all that poop. You're going to need help. <laughs> That's a five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. Women were created to shovel poop. I'm just saying he needed, he needed help. Hudson. I don't know why we're not tearing up the YouTube. Page. We should be in, the, in the negative attention column. We should be nailing it. <laughs> okay. I can't wait till they take that one out of context. The next time you run for some kind of political office yeah. or win an award. Boy, Dan has just done such great work in Africa through missions, except for this one time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've actually thought that before. If I ever ran for something, you could scour There's these. No I've said so many things oh. that, taken out of context, could be so terrible. That ain't no kid. We'd have yeah. to torch this. Dinner. I mean, we'd torch it. Yeah. Burn it to the ground. Yeah, yeah. There's that. We don't even have an amount of time to scrub all this stuff up and not. Yeah. <laughs> It's there. You by the time actually, we should make people sign something when they come in here. It's like, look, you're agreeing that you're not going to run for political office. Uh, we had a couple of people running oops. for political office in here. Yeah, yeah. I don't. You never heard high nor hair of uh, Dave Funk. <laughs> <laughs> no, His downfall true. began right here. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, we we tried. The thing, I don't know if you ever listened to that show, but like we had a politician. It was like with the first five shows we did, and we invited Dave Funk to come in, and like. I don't remember what he was running for, but like we started asking him like which other politicians smell bad, like literally smell bad, and he would not say. <laughs> and uh, we kind of pressed the matter like it was the most important thing going on. Oh, to know what he was thinking at that time, he, oh, he was imagine. mad at somebody I bet for it was sure. Like, Exclusive city, who scheduled I bet this? He was so mad. <laughs> yeah, look at these jack wagons. Oh. Okay. Anyway, so I'd like I, I've I've got that going on. What uh, what else is there? Oh. I read something about the James Webb Telescope, and uh, this was from MindMatters.ai, uh, Mind Matters News, and the, the title of the article was, James Webb Space Telescope Shows Big Bang Didn't Happen, question mark, and then wait. And uh, I, I, this was, it was a super interesting article, um, and I, I, I think there's, a, uh, there's some scientific humility in it, which I think we can appreciate, mm-hmm. which although... I, sometimes from a Christian perspective, I do feel like people put their heads in the sand as if the, the Lord cannot be king over uh, the, the science, like uh, science being a way of which humans are trying to, to categorize and, and, and find a tangible way to understand what God is, has done. Um, and so I, we don't have to run from it, but like, I think one of the, one of the, one of the things that we often run into is that like this lacks humility it acts like we've got the whole thing figured out and like people who who acknowledge the existence of god at least have got one perspective correct which is this whole thing feels like we probably don't have it all under control like we've not figured out all the things quite yet like there's a built-in humility to believe even in in god and so uh anyway i thought that the article was kind of interesting in that regard so I, maybe i'll share a little bit of that yeah, I think we should run through that, and then two more topics of interest. Uh, one, we're going to run the room, and uh, we want to know two like 
non Christian nonfiction books that that honestly did something for your faith. Okay. So like just be thinking on it like two non Christian or two non Christian two non fiction Christian books <laughs> that you thought actually made a difference. Like if you if if someone asked you, hey. Uh, I, I do my normal Bible study, and I feel like I'm praying, I'm nailing this thing, and like, but for some reason, I just I need a little jump start, a yep. little something. You know, what would you recommend? So be thinking about that. Okay. And number two, um, I want to talk about um, getting into spiritual disciplines. Yep. Um, like what that looks like, mm. uh, like really practically what it looks like, right? Like, uh, you know, whether we're talking about prayer or reading your Bible or whatever, like if you wanted to start it, what you would expect and like some some reasonable like aspirations for you to set so that you don't get so disappointed by day three that you're bailing. So like, let's try to look at this honestly. If you're going from zero uh, spiritual disciplines, what, what would we expect like the first week to look like for you or the first two weeks? Like, so it's a sustained and a changed thing in your life, not just a, well, I tried it. It didn't go very well. It didn't do what I thought it was going to do. I'm out. It doesn't feel like a New Year's resolution That's correct. gone wrong. Okay. I did Whole30 for two days, and man, that was hard, so yeah. I quit. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so, we got a lot on the docket today. Okay, so let us let me let me fire up, uh, we'll see, maybe just something about this marriage thing. So, what I've been trying to, to, to work through in my mind, and through, through scripture and prayer and discussion kind of with other folks, is... Is some of what feels like the inher- problems that is that seem to be universal for the most part in marriages between men and women, and a few different things have been been running through. The, the first is that like I believe that God created men and women intentionally, and they have intentional um, p- patterns. Gen- generally speaking, like all these are generalities. There's always going to be some um, some things where you're like, well, that doesn't match my wife, or that doesn't match me. Okay, congratulations, Ted. But like, um, I, I think there. It seems like men and women are are designed in order to do and fulfill certain certain needs and obligations. So, as an example, um, I generally speaking find that men are able if if a if a husband and wife went on vacation and they left their three kids at home. A few days in, you could find most women going, I'm really, I think about the kids a lot, and I wonder what they're doing, and I, I wouldn't mind going home to see them. And most men three days in would go, I'm sure they're fine, and, and thought about them a few times, but didn't feel super compelled to like run home. There's or most, most men are, it is easier for them to go do work out of town. It's not that they don't love their kids. It's not that they don't think and care about them. But like, it's easier for them to do it. It feels like, generally speaking, than 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 women, where it feels like they've got all the things are, are tend to be on their mind all the time. Um, where where fellows seem to be a little bit better at compartmentalizing. I'm not sure to what advantage, yeah. but it's like, because they it's because they they can only do one thing. They're simpletons. Time. Yeah, like yeah. like ladies will be running forty five thousand things in their background or whatever, and dudes like. Where's that screwdriver? Yeah, and yeah. the whole all, all of <laughs> life is on hold until the screwdriver is found. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Okay, so so there's something about that, and so you know, does that does that um, help a fella? Uh, and this is where you get these things get blurry. How you think about traditional gender roles and stuff, but like, um, you know, to have a guy out in the field for 10, 12 hours a day or something, or like going to be day labor somewhere for weeks during the harvest time and he, he can just be gone and it's he's able to do it he's able to do it because there's like a separation or a simpleness to his life um whereas like 
ladies, if they're generally managing households, like they are responsible for all the stuff. And like a dude probably like would have a much harder time keeping all the things up. Guys are more likely to go. Uh, yeah, we just can't get to all the things. And so we're going to just going to, we're not going to do the other 10. Yeah. We'll what, cut, we'll, what, we'll cut some stuff. Whatever the consequences may be, we, it ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, so I get it. Generalities, but, but interestingly, both of those, although can be an advantage, um, in, in whatever, in, in certain ways, they create risks, Right. They create a risk that like how many times I mean, we, we we hear it a lot in our society. You get an absentee father, the ability to kind of simplify and and separate so that you can be a way to go accomplish something could be a strength for a man. It is also his greatest weakness. How many men can just walk away? They do. And it's unfathomable to me. But there's dads who just just go, you know what? I'm going to leave now. And yeah. they don't call, and they don't write, and they don't they don't work and send money. They're just gone. And like it's unconscionable to me. But like what could be an advantage to serve his family can also be a means of which he can leave his family. Um, I think you know for for ladies like all of these all of these things that they're trying to balance and manage can be something that otherwise serves their family, but it also can bog them down so much that they actually become they can't move. That it's too much. There's too much happening at all the time, and they cannot sort it out. And so if you think about it, though, the the marriage of a man and woman together, like, creates the ability to balance out those strengths that can present themselves as weaknesses. So, like, when the when the dude just gets too hyper-focused, the lady goes, did you did you think about this? You got your kids are looking for you, and we got to fix the barn this week, and you got to blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got real hyper-focused on that screwdriver. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, like, it's, it's there is an in, there yeah, is a... It, it turns out she took it. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Sneaky. Um, and, and then I don't, you know, and, and then for, for, for ladies, like, every... Often you need the guy who goes, I hear all that stuff you're saying. No, it's too much. We're backing off of it. You're going to, yeah, but we got to do, no, nope, nope. I'm going to (laughs) help. I'm here to help to make a quick decision. And we're going to cut these five things. And if it's just for today, it's just for today. It's not going to be in the world, but like it's a leveling out. And so the the reason that got me to thinking about um, the, the, the way that the Bible talks about the creation of men and women and, and that the man needs a help, a help meet. Right, a helper, um, similar to a word that, frankly, that, that God uh, uses to describe God, and the, the aspect of which both of those things are true it doesn't say, well, man is the dominator, the lady needs to come be his assistant. No, no, the lady exists in her strength to meet the man in his weakness, like the notion of his of of her being a helper to a man is an indication of his frailty in those areas, not her weakness. And I, I don't know that I, I, it's not that I, I don't know most, most, I don't feel like most of the fellows I know are getting this wrong, but like, I, I just, it was something that I was thinking about because what it then does is it starts to reframe how you work through your marriage. You are a, a we oftentimes conversations become about I versus I, this person is not acting this way. Like, Hey, hey my, my husband just can't, you know, he, he seems to focus on one thing or he just sits down. And now how can he sit down? There's a million things going on because you have a million things on your head. And you saw this lump of a man just sit on the couch and you're like, he's ignoring a million things. In his mind, he's not ignoring anything. He just sat down and he didn't think about the other things you were doing. What you feel is his detriment 
exists for you as a wife to help him find balance. And similarly, fellas, like where your wife is feeling kind of bogged down, and you're like, boy, you just, uh, I don't know why you do this to yourself. And like, you're so stressed out all the time. Like you are here to help her find balance. You're, you together are the we that God created and intended you to be. And, and so I want you to think kindly about your spouses as they help you be the best you so that you function as the best we. And I, and I, so I, all that is a, is a rub that I need you to think differently about, say, some of the arguments that you're having. Is this person actually trying, is helping me to be a better us, uh, as opposed, and embracing the fact that like, hey, I'm here to help. I'm, it's not it's not my gig like I grant that I just I do this naturally better and frankly my wife and I largely fall along these lines like she just she will have all the things on the mind all the time and trying to do all these things and uh and every once in a while I gotta go hey hey we just we're gonna we're, we're it's gonna be fine tonight we're gonna drop that in fact we're dropped for a few days oh, yes and, and but I have all the things to do I'm like we're gonna drop it and like I often need her to go hey did you forget about this thing and this thing, and like, yes, I did. Yeah, did not even think about it. One of them kids I didn't even know existed. Right. <laughs> okay, I, I'm not sure. I haven't forgot. <laughs> I'll go pick them up though. <laughs> What's the name? So, um, get in you. <laughs> I, I guess, like a lot of times, I think we run the risk of of then viewing our partners. Let's go with supposed deficiencies as if they're failing you as a spouse. But like, I think God created created men and women with these these needs for each other with an exposed frailty that, that frankly you would not agree to anywhere else. Like my wife has a level of influence in my life that no other, nobody else gets. She has the ability to, to, to call me up or bring me down with words of which another, if another fella just came up and said, Hey, you know, I think you actually really suck this week. I would go, Oh, screw you, dude. I'm not taking that in. I don't have I don't have to. But like there's a frailty in me that my that my wife has the most power over to use. And similarly heading the other direction, men with your with your spouses. And so I, I you know, I don't know. I just it's a it's an ask, I think, to reframe how you think about your marital discussions. Anytime you think this person is failing me, like I want you to start with I'm here to help help them be the best of themselves so that the we that we were joined to be through the Holy Spirit can be at its best. And so sometimes it's not, hey, you stink at this. It's going, oh, yeah, I'm made for this to come help that man be better at this thing or so that the we are handling this better and vice versa. And so uh, if we can reframe it that way, it's not everything. Sometimes you're all just going to stink individually and you got to hash it out. But like I just wonder how many marital conversations are being had where it's like an eye for an eye as opposed to a we fighting for a we. I'd say a lot. Yeah. I would say, I personally, I feel like it's a lot. I feel like it's a lot of things where I, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm evaluating my happiness or interaction or satisfaction with my wife as opposed to saying like, am I, if I see something in her that uh, is, is a shortcoming Am I going to fill in the gap so that the we stays strong, or am I upset at her about the gap? And 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 am I am I trying to help her be her best, or am I making sure that the person who has the most exposure to her to bring her up or or call her down uses that to do what? And I think and I think that's a risk. And and I get it. You're gonna get you're gonna feel like you're gonna get burned on that. Like, hey man, I I I wouldn't fill the gap, and that guy's still sitting on his butt. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe. 
It's not like I'm not saying you don't have legitimate things to work to. I'm just I just I'm just thinking about how we posture thinking about marital relationships and those types of discussions and and don't being not trying not to be personally offended and saying, look, I'm made for that. I want this. I want I want that frailty. I need it for my, for me. And I want to charge in when at her frailest, I'm at my best. Nathaniel, why would you say that you're so bad at this? Yeah. Uh, What's the number one driver? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I was talking with, with my wife the other day. Uh, I said, look here, woman. I said, listen here. Things like are going to gonna change. No, I, I, so I asked her. I says, I says to her, um, do you feel, because there's something Ben said at church. He said, do you uh, be at your best when your spouse is at your worst? Or at their worst, I guess. I said, do you feel like I am at my best when you are at your worst? And she said, uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> A glowing recommendation. <laughs> yeah. And I said, and she, so she asked me the same thing back, and uh, we had a discussion about it. And then it occurred to me that we don't really have that many marital like spats at all. And mostly due to my uh, inability to have a strong opinion about anything. That's what's causing very there's there's little conflict because you don't have a strong opinion. Yeah, because I don't care. Yeah, and yeah. I know that. It, and even things that she like wants to do, like hey, let's go do this thing, blah blah blah. And I don't want to, but the easiest road for me is to just go do it. You're a man of convenience. Yes. You're like, it seems like less hassle just to agree to this thing. Exactly. Mm. I, do, I do believe sometimes that is true, but do you feel like, are you able to say yes to that with, a, with an attitude that otherwise she can appreciate, like, he's here for it, not just, I drug him along, but he wants to be here? No. Okay. So there, there, you, have a, <laughs> yeah, no. you have a rub point. <laughs> yeah. 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 The rock's been peeled away, <laughs> yeah. and there I am, scurrying in the dark. <laughs> there I am. I'm yeah. just doing things, no, I wouldn't even say begrudgingly, just like, okay, this is going to be the easiest so I might as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's yeah. I think that's a rub because I think that's a classic dude thing to do, though. It it is a classic dude thing to do, and I think it puts. Here's the thing: is like no fella wants to feel like his wife is treating him like a child. But if you're gonna go, I'm gonna go because you said I could. Or you wanted me to go, and you kind of like trudging along where she feels like she's having to drag you. You've put her in the position yeah. to treat you like a child. Yeah. yeah, this is where the dudes usually fall apart here because they're like, you know, I don't want to go to the stupid whatever, blah blah blah, petting zoo. Except for your your woman has been thinking about this, right? Like, and she's like, the kids really want to go. We've been talking about it all week. And then you go, I don't want, I don't want to go to this petting zoo. You know, but like you have no alternative plans to enrich the children right. or to take them out, right? <laughs> like you have not been thinking about it at all, except for when someone said, "We're going to go to the petting zoo," and you're like, "God, I don't go to the petting zoo," <laughs> you know. But like you brought zero input to the table until something was. It's like the you're the guy that that it's the, the classic Hamilton phrase is like they don't have any good ideas; they just hate mine, yeah. right? That's a dude. A dude will wait until something comes across his path and goes, "I don't like that." Well, what did you think about it beforehand? I didn't at all, but I know what I see right now. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm going to go sit down and think about this for a minute. Where's that screwdriver? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, here's the thing. It's like some of this stuff is almost comedic because of how true it is, right? Like stereotypically, like people are like, uh, you know, dudes are different. They got different personalities. They, eh, kind of. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I bet I could string about 98% of them all together with one thread. And like, and, and these are good, solid dudes. I'm not talking about loafers, people leaving their family, acting terrible. 
I'm talking about dudes I know that love Jesus and they're good, solid guys, and they're just they have a level of buffoonery in them. Yep. Just just depends how the sun's shining. But that level of buffoonery is the same. We've talked about this before, right? That same amount of buffoonery is what puts a guy in a lab for three days straight, stinking bo, and he discovers an element that no one else would figure out. Yeah. Or the guy that ends up fixing your car that was going to cost forty five hundred dollars, and he's out there tinkering at it for three days because he got a thirty dollar part but can't get it in. But he'll be over there three days until he gets it figured out. Yeah. And it's, I, so I think that's one of the things that I'm, um, like I think we know this kind of, but then we just in moments we miss it, or like we, or sometimes broad posturing, like we just we just miss the fact that like can I appreciate how this person is formed and the 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 role that they serve in the strength of our we, uh, and then not. And not get so kind of irritated when it doesn't it isn't playing out. However, recognizing that like like I, so Nathaniel's example uh, unfortunately is a really good one. Most fellas do this. We're like like especially with good strong ladies who generally make wise decisions. Like you're in, it's in your best interest to defer. <laughs> she's probably thought about it more. Uh, she's probably chosen a path that like is a little bit uh, more cost effective and probably healthier. <laughs> like or is is good? Like she's just put time into it. Um, but it's it's not it's not okay to just to put her in the position where she feels like she's your mom. Like you still you need to go into those situations and be confident in it. If like if you're gonna say yes, then say yes with confidence. Yeah. Yes, I'm doing it because you want to do it. It I was a great idea. Yeah. I want to do it. I'm yeah, gonna, I love Zeus. I'm going to stop by and pick up some quarters on the way home so we can ring that machine for the goats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I guess it's it's not, um, it does not behoove a man to go along with what his wife's trying to get him to do. You say yes, and you say yes boldly. If it's a no, if you you don't want to go, and you it's not the, you and feel like it's not the- you a decent reason why. Right. Then say no, and say it with confidence, not like an arrogant jerk, but like, you know what? I don't really want to do that. Because you're a grown man. You don't have to act. Here's the thing. It's like, this is where, I, guys, I caution you, is that like, I to a man, every guy that I know who loves Jesus is very well aware of his buffoonery. He's they, it's it's not like he doesn't know, and every one of them feels super lucky to have found the lady that he has, who otherwise tolerates this buffoonery. But the risk that you run is that like you can't be the proper um, encourager to your wife if your only reaction is this must be my buffoonery <laughs> because because it puts your wife in the position the very thing that you don't want, which it means that like oh now she's babysitting you because you're a complete buffoon. You're not a complete buffoon. Some of I mean sometimes, but like you wisely defer to your wife when you know it's smart to do so. Great, burn that in confidence. Lord put her in your life and in your family's life to go do those types of things. But like you and when but if you're gonna go do something because your wife says hey we should go do this go heck yeah we should I am in like do it with the right attitude you didn't get bullied into it you said yes because it was right you let this you let this lady have this level of influence in your life because she, she should. Do that with confidence and then aid and support and encourage and love and cause your wife to flourish with confidence because you should be. You should be doing that. And I struggle with that. I don't like – sometimes I really hate what I look like when the way that my wife describes me. It's embarrassing to me. <laughs> yeah. She's she talking and like – and then I often take it out on her. Like, oh, I can't believe you made me feel this way. I'm like, well, I mean, she's half right. <laughs> I can't believe you acted that way. Right. <laughs> you made me paint a portrait of you. <laughs> you put me in a corner here. <laughs> right. 
So it, anyway, like I, I just whatever. There's a million things to unpack from from this type of thing. But like the start is, I I think you should appreciate. Um, what you guys, what what your marriage brings, the two of you bring together for the we and fight for the we. Stop, be be honest and careful that you're not just pressing on one or the other to get your own kind of personal selfish way. It's okay to have group discussions about things that impact, like like uh, fellas, if you're a guy who you know is thinking about some overtime, don't just take it and go. Well, am I got to do the overtime because I don't make the bills. No, you discuss that with your wife. You say, hey, man, the impact of doing – here's why I'm thinking about this. It's the opportunity we have. What do we think about how I spend my time away from our house? What do we think? And sometimes you're going to go, I know I know, you, I know you think it's too much for me, but I'm, I want to do it to sacrifice for my family. That's all right. But, like, it's still a we conversation, not just I did this and I hope she appreciates it. That sucks. Don't do that. Don't do that. Have we conversations. And get the most out of the relationship that God has brought you together to be in. Yeah. This would have been a good Pope-style advice, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking before, like, it's a, the, the Pope seems too lofty. Although he's a real dicey character. You know, uh, you just never know what he's going to say nowadays. Although maybe, so maybe that could be us. You were singing his praises when he, when he got uh, smoked in. I felt real good about him. Uh, well, I, compared to the other dude, like, it felt like he was um, um, more... Not allowing the previous the previous actions to kind of dictate uh, how we embrace the world, and like actually, I will say this is and this is generally true about um, theologies and people who bend um, liberal, you know, more liberal, uh, is that it, it tends to feel at least like you're showing more attention and focus and 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 love to people. Um, but th- there is a boundary to it where you start to cause them harm, and uh, I don't know. There's been some of the some of the stuff coming out of the old popery that uh, uh, feels like you might have snuggled that line, dated it for a while, and then also dated its cousin. And uh, yeah, well, it's a it's a risk. Sounds like it went south real it's, fast. It's yeah. a risk, there, uh, Pope Frank. Okay. 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 Speaking of speaking of things that would help uh, enrich your life, yep. like treating your lady better and not being a buffoon. I, I know we, there's a bunch of avid readers in the room, like not me or Nathaniel or Nathaniel. Uh, but Ben and Dan, I, I think, turned a couple pages. And I was thinking today, like if I – like I, I was thinking about my kids, actually. Like if I was going to hand them a book um, that I thought really made a difference in uh, the way that I follow Jesus or really spoke to me in a certain way, and I was going to recommend it to my kids, which ones would I recommend? And I've read quite a few I would say over the years, and then I thought, you know, it'd be really interesting to see, like, if you feel like, um, like you're at a point where you need a little bit of a, sh- a shove. You, you know what? I mean, every once in a while, you'll just read a good book about someone else's interaction with Jesus, and you're like, yeah, okay, okay. I was looking at this different. Now, yeah. we're, now we're time to roll. Yep. So, if, if we had to go around the room, I just I want you to name one. Like, if, what would be what would be your number one pick? Uh, to recommend to somebody that like said, look, I just I, w- I want to see my faith differently, or I want to you know I want to engage with Jesus on a deeper level. And so, w- what book would you recommend? We'll start with with Dan. Dan, yeah, this this the sad the sad thing about this is I I have it all on my iPad, which I left at home after <laughs> reviewing it, thinking, well, yeah, well, I'm going to look back at some of the books <laughs> oh, I've Jay, read. Dan did homework and then <laughs> left it in homework. the trunk of the car. You're saying, <laughs> and then the dog ate it. This <laughs> this book impacted your life so much that it is not in your memory banks on what it is. That's my that, that see that is part of the downfall of my personality. I am so terrible on details. I, I don't I don't remember. 
I remember about three authors' names in my life that I've read. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and some of the titles I remember, and, and I remember, oh, it's this book about stuff. You know, but I'll remember the content pretty well. Yeah. yeah. But uh, some of the important stuff like that, like like. Anyway, that that uh, yeah. So so because I, I I've read and another thing uh, I do not read nearly as much as Ben. Uh, I I'll read bits and pieces. I rarely read like a whole book. I, Actually, I was going to say that when Mike said uh, Dan has uh, been uh, no read a page or two, I thought that is Dan. Yeah. He does read a page or two. <laughs> yeah, or a chapter or so, two, in and maybe out. three. Yep. Yeah. And then I'll go like, eh, that is, that bores me, and I'll go on or something, and then I, I'll I'll lose interest. I'll try to start another one. I have like six books. I'm kind of half looking at right now, but I can't tell you a single title. Uh, usually, there's something to do with discipleship, uh, with, with um, you know, living out your faith. But I can't. I, I honestly yeah. can't even. So tell you're you. probably off the hook for book number two then as well. <laughs> okay, I think that's fair. <laughs> if I only had my wife here to compliment me and tell me, <laughs> here's what you're reading, Look, Dan. So you left it on the counter. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's go for the dead ringer, and then we'll go to the iffy side of the room. Ben. Okay, yeah, so I would say, um, this. I'll tell you the first book that came to mind. And the first book that came to mind was a, a book called No More Dragons by Jim Bergen. And um, Hold on, Dan nodded his head in his agreement. Have you read that one, Dan? Uh, no, I, it sounded familiar, maybe. So, uh, <laughs> I've heard things about it. <laughs> Jim, Jim Bergen is, um, is a, a pastor at a church called Flatirons in Colorado, and I don't even remember how I got a hold of this book or why I why I picked it up, but the, the 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 thing that stuck out with me on this one and that made me energetic it was a. It, the, the the concept of the book is is like kind of recognizing I don't know dragons in your life and like one of the main the main metaphors comes from the one of the chronicles of Narnia books where uh, Eustace uh, which is he's like a real whiny pain in the nose type of kid um, from I think this is from the Prince Caspian one and um, he ends up getting turned into a dragon. And then Aslan, the, the 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 Jesus type of character, shows up and like, oh, and he turns into a dragon because he goes to like grab the dragon's gold on on this island, uh, searching for the Lord Roop, and and so it's kind of a punishment for his greediness and stuff. And so anyway, he ends up having an interaction with with Aslan, and um, he says, "I can turn you back into a human." But the way that he does it is he like he reaches out the claws and just starts scratching away. Um, as a lion, the scales off this kid, and, and so he, he stops becoming the dragon that he had become, and gets returned back to who who he was created to be. And it's intended to be a picture of kind of baptism type of thought, where like you get there's a um, there's a there's a rescue there, and there is it's it's not that it's not painful to kind of give up everything you've become, but like if you let Jesus kind of come in and tear all the sinews back, you can be restored to what he created you to be. So like that—that's the guts of the book, and I thought it was a cool image, and, and I'd read the the Prince Caspian book, and so that was cool. But like, w- the reason it stuck with me is like there's um he, as a pastor, he starts kind of talking through some situations that like now you'd be like, well yeah, of course, but this was like ten years ago, and he's like, we he had like a transgender person show up to the church, and like one of his chapters was like, what do you even do with that? And like it feel it felt like at the time it felt like such a such a contentious thing where you're like, I wouldn't have any idea how to handle this with like I feel like I would handle it wrong, either way too way too much one way or the other. And like he was talking about how this person was like in taking a whiz next to him in the bathroom. And like but part of that chapter is he goes, uh he, he met this fella and he said and because he wanted to come to the men's retreat. 
and he met with the the lady dude whatever and he goes i don't know i don't know i want you to know jesus um but some of the some of the elements of this thing i just i'm not quite sure how to sort out i think i think you can come but we're gonna we're gonna have to keep talking about it and like there was such an honesty in a guy not having to have all the answers to something that there was a there was a combination of like i i know i want to show people and introduce them to jesus but i know there's something else here that like needs to be dealt with and so like just the the boldness of an i don't know but we're going to figure this out because this because jesus loves this person um and there were a, a number of different things in the book that were kind of like that and so anyway that that one stood out to me because it um where other places in in my life where i've listened to a teaching or read a book it it emboldened me with some level of confidence this one emboldened me with the belief that like you you probably aren't going to know all the answers here you're not going to know how to act in every situation uh but just know what you what what god says is true and uh walk walk forward and you'll get that figured out and so i i don't know that that one no more dragons jim bergen that one was a was a good turning it was a good elevation point for me. I shared it with a number of folks. Um, it's it's well written. It's easy to read, and um, I, that one I like that one. Nathaniel, uh, the life you always wanted by John Artberg, and it's a book. It's uh, John Artberg's book about uh, like daily life, uh, growing closer to Christ through spiritual disciplines. Yeah. How long ago did you read that one? Uh, I read it. I had to read it in college for a class and then i reread it probably four years ago um and then i for some reason in, in college it just didn't strike me uh and i saw it laying on the bookshelf and i was like oh, i don't even remember what this book is about let's pick it up again and uh, i reread it and it, i mean it jacked jacked me up i was like man this is awesome i'm gonna yeah. start saying the lord's <laughs> prayer every day and i uh you know somebody i just texting out quotes to all my friends I was like hey check this out the the uh possibility of change is the essence of hope yeah uh, i was texting that and one dude even like like went out and wood burned it that yeah. it, <laughs> no kidding <laughs> yeah okay that's pretty cool so yours what, what what was the name of yours uh the life you always wanted which is kind of a cheesy title uh but you know yeah whatever work okay the life you always wanted ben yours was the dragon by no more dragons by Jim Bergen. No more dragons by yep. Jim Bergen. Um, I had a I had a couple. One of them one of them's the standout, the the number one for me, and that's uh, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that book. I read it. I read it once. I've actually, before. read that one. Have you Have you read it? Yeah, yeah. I read it a long time ago, uh, like I don't know, ten, fifteen years ago. And then, like at a certain point in my life, when things were going really, really rough, um, I picked it back up, and like, boy, it just slapped me uh, six ways from Sunday. Um, on all kinds of things, and the power of prayer, and trusting the Holy Spirit with things, and letting God do, and and uh, if I, the, the the thing that I remember taking taking away from it was, um, they uh, he was talking about you know they were trying to grow his, their their church community or whatever in a pretty rough neighborhood, and and some dude come out of nowhere and and just decided he was going to talk that day, and he let him do it, and the guy said like you don't can't measure your church by the size of your Sunday attendance. You want to know what the health of your church is. You you look at the attendance at your Tuesday prayer meeting, and that's how you know how your church is doing. Because you can win people over with worship. You can win people over with a fancy speaker. Um, but you want to know how people in Jesus are doing. You should tell me how many people are showing up to pray on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And, like, everything that, they, everything that God built through 
those folks was done through solely through prayer. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, it just it got me real fired up, and um, uh, it's probably about time to read it again, honestly. <laughs> but part, some some of my favorite books have been been books on prayer and just different flavors. You, yeah. you know, like the Red Moon Rising book. That that's all about the twenty four seven prayer movement, yeah. and and man, I, I read that like quickly. You know, if I like it, I get into it. I'll sit there and I, I can't stop. You, you know, um, but it was just so cool the story of, of of the history going back, you know, hundreds of years, as well as the modern era twenty four seven movement. Uh, and, and we're like we're still having twenty four seven prayer rooms. Yep, uh, be, because of that, so it, it impacted me greatly uh, uh, to the point that we we. We do it a lot. Yep. Um, you think? Do you think those prayer books? Because like uh, that uh, fresh wind, fresh fires prayer book. Yeah, yeah. And like, I was just thinking while you were saying that, why those books are such a draw to me. And like, I think it's because it gives me hope that there are people that are doing this. Yeah. Right. Like, if there's yeah. one thing across my entire relationship with God that I've always struggled with, it's consistent prayer that mm-hmm. felt like I was talking to my dad. Right. Yeah, yeah. That it wasn't just a like. You know, I'm I'm doing it because I have to do it. Like, I mean, I think everybody has those times when, like, you know, you know, God's listening. You're communing. Everything's cool, right? But like, like every day for x longer than four minutes or whatever, you know, then you're like, eh, okay, you know, and then like yeah. you read you read what other like what the Holy Spirit has done when people like allow themselves to be part of that and like just pray and pray well and pray often and pray like you're having a conversation with your father and not that you're just trying to you know check a list or whatever and like so those books always give me hope that like yeah see it can be done so what are you doing <laughs> right right I, I think i think i like them because they're they're not like selling something yeah you know it's not like the latest gimmick it's it's not like hey here's how how we you know reached x number of people and now you can do it too if you just do what we did because i tend to read a lot of that stuff yeah uh, I, I read bob russell's book uh a year or two ago um i, I can't remember it was five or six things he did he'd do again and five or six things he wouldn't do and, and it was i loved the book it was fascinating it was it was cool um but i don't know like it shook me or anything it was just like yeah yeah i agree with you yeah, you know, good, good solid stuff. Uh, I, I wish other people would read this. You know, I think that. Um, but the prayer ones, yeah, it, it 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 usually adds something that changes me in some way, or enhances uh, my my prayer life. So I'm, I'm with you on that for sure. Ben, do you have a do you have a second? Uh, you can't explain it for the same length of time. Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I have a yes. I got quite a few. So uh, fresh wind, fresh, fresh fire would have been one I, I would have reached for. There there was a book. About it's called actually two kind of in in the same area. One is called uh, Blood Brothers by a guy named Elias Shakur, and he's a he's a Palestinian um, who who like looking for for peace between Israel and fighting for peace between Israel and Palestine. And and the reason the reason that one was influential to me when it comes to my Christian faith, and, and this this couples with another uh, another book, and I'm, gonna, I'm missing some of the title, but it's like. Um, Something don't shoot, um, and that was about a guy who was a police officer who, or no, no, it wasn't a police officer. He was like an academic, but he was trying to solve crime. It was a crime problem, and he's like analyzing crime, um, and it ended up being a, a question of relationships between communities and police officers. And the, the the theme between both of those books was people often misunderstand each other. 
like they're just we're too shallow in how we think about each other like the between the police and the local communities like communities were afraid that the, like the police didn't have any respect for them and that they were just trying to dominate them and so they were afraid of them and they had the wrong impression like most of the police were like dude we just want to help and like most of the community members were like you don't look like you're trying to help because they had kind of a, a, a misunderstanding of what everyone was trying to do and same thing with like the background of uh, this Palestinian dude is that like uh, I mean in America Palestinians kind of a rough word you have built in assumptions that these are terrorists as an example and like this guy like this his family's background was they owned land and then like when borders got redrawn because of skirmishes these guys were like way out in the in the their farming communities they didn't have anything to do with any of this stuff and like borders move families get murdered kicked out stuff burned and like and now what do you do and, like, that's happened a lot in different places. And so, like, what seems like, oh, look, at these people are just angry. Well, I mean, they've been angry for 50 years because, you you know, you killed their grandpa and stole their land. And, like, that, what's well, not universal for all Israelis and not all, not all Palestinians are innocent. But, like, the point of the reason those – I happen to read both of those within a short amount of time. I'm not quite sure how I got a hold of them. But, like, from, a, from my faith perspective, I started to become way more patient and gracious with people. Because it for it, it reminded me or forced me to consider that like people are always more complicated than what things look like. Earthly situations are tend to be more complicated because people are involved. And so I, I became I don't I don't know if I was super judgmental before, but like my patience tripled. Um when it comes to like I'm going to continue to ask questions and try to understand the situation before I go bulldozing in there. Um, with righteousness because like truth can speak but there's a context of which it's being heard um, and so I th- both of those books actually were pretty sig- helpful to me um, if, if the first one was how I think about God and actually I guess both of those are dealing with people and with confidence yeah that was shorter I would have thought you would have said uh, what is it looking for Allah finding Jesus Ooh, you mentioned that book quite a bit oh man so and actually that one was within a few months like earlier than those two and um, yeah, same thing. That was a good. That was a reminder. That, that I love that book. Um, not only because it's like super well done, and that guy's story is awesome. His his journey from becoming a Muslim and questioning and felt like Jesus was just after him. But like, um, again, the belief that God is still working places that you're like, I don't know. Like, how many times did you get the questions like, well, isn't it all? Isn't this all the same? Or like, how can you think your religion is better than another person's religion? And like the the Muslim conversions mold both of those as as great reminders that God has not given up and he's still actively hunting down folks who are seeking him even in places where like it feels like they're the the belief structure is too far gone he still wants the worshiper of Baal you know what I'm saying like and so you know no yeah that's a great that's a great one hmm. it's a great example Nathaniel book two do you have one it's not nonfiction, uh but I'm gonna go with the screw tape letters oh hmm. yeah yeah screw tape letters solid I, here's the thing about reading that dude's name? C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. So I've read a couple, three books by C.S. Lewis. And like, I, I feel like I've had to explain this before, but like, he, he sucks me in with everything he says. Everything, it doesn't matter if it's actually the right thing to say or not. He'll be like, a blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that's right on. And he'll be like, if you think that, here's why you're a dummy. I'm like, oh no. It's like Paul and Romans. Yes, he's exactly giving you the right. Romans. Yeah, he's giving me the Romans. And like, But I love screw tape letters. Uh, in fact, I think I just read that in the last couple of years. Got all the way through it, and I thought, boy, this this screw tape's got me pegged. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Actually, his the space trilogy. So, like, Narnia is great. 
Um, but the space tri- he wrote a three books called the space trilogy, um, and it starts to interact with the thought of like um, you you have got a fallen humanity on Earth, but like what is the interaction with God on like other planets? Mm. Um, and like uh, there, there's there's um there's a part and then like book two where you're like heck yeah like it, because you can see like you kind of start to pick to pick together like what's what's what it's pointing at and some what does it look like for those things to be different like is a fallen did the fallen humanity on earth does that mean other like did all other creatures have to fall if there were martians what are they like how do they interact with a god what what is their concept of a god um and like there's there's a few parts of that where it just whiz bang it just washes over you. There's a part in creation. There's a creation I want to say in book like five of the Chronicles of Narnia, and it's I mean I almost wept this description of like singing creation into be um, that that frankly is much more closer to like the, the 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 language that Genesis uses. We're just so academic about it, we just don't catch it right. Um, but some of that stuff is just it's just beautiful, and it tears down. It opens us up to being able to see Scripture with the depth that I think Scripture exists by allowing to see it through a fictionalized account that um, that extends that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, those are good. Um, my 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 two my number two is a tie between a couple, and they're completely polar opposites. One is a Bob Goff book that I don't remember the name of it. Love but does. I, what's that? Love does. Probably love does. What he's just a goofball, and he's out there just doing. Like he just have a has a level of freedom due to his love and trust in who God is and what God created him to do, and like I don't know, it was just it's very it should give you a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. Like that guy, that guy walks around as the son of the king, right? Like when he when he gets up in the morning and leaves his door, he's not. I mean, he he doesn't make any any huge theological points. He's not arguing like the finer ports of our faith. He just walks out and then like. Let's God decide what He's going to do for the day, and He's just overly ridiculously generous about it, and He's just out there doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And so, like, um, there's a lot of freedom in that. And 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 when I was reading it, I'm like, I just why why can't I walk out as the prince? Why can't I walk out as the the son of the king? Instead, I'm I'm like half worried that I'm screwing it up, or you know, whatever. I didn't hear from him, or maybe I did great and he didn't notice, or whatever. You know, like, and this dude's just out roaming as. Prince Bob Goff, you know, as the son of the king. And so, like, I really, I like, it's, it's a good, feel-good thing. You need to pick me up, I would do that. Yeah. Um, but the tie for that is, like, I, I can't remember the name of the, I just bought it recently, uh, but it's a book of modern liturgies. And, like, it's, um, I wish I could remember the name of it. But, like, it's like a, oh, it's Every Moment, Every Moment Holy yeah. is what it's called. Yeah. And, like, the guy lights, writes liturgies for, like, going on vacation or folding the laundry or or changing diapers or you know what I'm saying like he's got or for loss of a pet for the you know and like it's it's like modern liturgies for um you know the beginning of the day the middle of the day the end of the day and like they're just awesome they're just awesome especially if you feel like you struggle like you're tired of hearing your own words when you when you pray you're like god I have so much to say my heart has a ton to say but my brain is like boo Mm. Right, says the same stuff. Yeah, your brain's a real nose picker, yep. you know. And yep, you're yeah, like, yeah. my heart means more than this, but I'm picking my own brain here. Yeah. And so, like, uh, I I would really recommend that book. It's called Every Moment Holy, and it's uh, it's full liturgies and like it, it covers, I mean, a ton of cool situations in your life, just even rando stuff, you know, like a, a liturgy for for people about to act in a play, you know, like and then like how to turn it turn it turn it to God and blah, blah, blah. like they're just they're really good. So those that's what I would do. Okay. Any any final book recommendations before we roll off of this? Okay, I got I got 
I almost kind of hate to say this because it's like super old book, but if I look back over the years, I probably used this book more than any other book Mm. in my library. And it's because uh, it deals with relationships, the five love languages. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I I was kind of looking back at books I I, I purchased in the last couple of years, and I I bought it again in the last couple of years. I must have gave it to somebody. You know, I don't don't remember. (laughs) Yep. Um, but it's so freaking practical, and, and there's every new generation comes up that like needs to learn this, you know. And I, I, I probably think some of those principles through at least once a week. I bet, yeah. Uh, whether it yep. be in my own relationship or as I'm talking to someone, like, well, hey, are they receiving what you're doing here? You, you know, do they get? You're trying to say you love this person. Uh, do they get it? Right. Yep. You're speaking your own language, and, you know. So I, I think it's pretty, pretty practical and powerful uh, little book there. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. That's a good one. I got two more. No. Yeah. Let me no. get. Let you me can get. list the titles, but you can't explain them, Ben. Okay. I get. Even just like a minute. Okay. So the rise of Christianity by Rod <laughs> by Rodney Stark. Uh, that, that this is it's a great it's a great book to provide um, it's emboldening context on how the early church saw themselves, um, and the, the point of the book is to try to try to say like how did Christianity go from you know eleven dudes following a dead leader to the predominant religion over three centuries and it's it's service it's it's service it's like living it's a it's it's rescuing babies it's treating women differently than the rest of the world treated them like it. Be- was that the minute? Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Got it. Do I get another minute for the other one? If you hustle. Okay. The other one was um, The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria uh, Butterfield. She was a um, she was like a um, like a queer literature professor and was in a lesbian relationship. She ends up interviewing this pastor to debunk all the stuff that and, and make him look like a fool. Ends up meets Jesus and like has to split from her relationship. Marries a pastor and now like th- she's this is her instruction on living your lives with hospitality focused to your communities around you. Mm. Um, and it's a, it's a really – she's got another one like The Confessions of an Unlikely Convert that's also good. That was her first book. But what this, was this one again? was great. Uh, I, wanted to, I think it's Rosaria Rosaria. Yeah, I feel, like I've, I, I feel like I've heard of this gal. Isn't yes. she the one like the, 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 the Kip inviting her over for supper? Yes. Like, like forever? Yep. And, and then one day it's like, yeah. Yeah, and then it, and then the, the stuff turned. And again, like all, like there's a theme to some of these books where it's like – it's it's just being reminded that all the situations where you're like, I have no idea. God's like, oh, we'll figure it out. Hmm. Did I make that one? I'm done. Check. Stop. No, you're gonna take it. No, I know. It's it's I got it's all this. Look what happened. Look what you made me do. Why do you make me live like this? You're like a one man bullhorn. <laughs> okay, uh, we're gonna we're gonna post uh, we're gonna post the the recommended reading. Yeah, uh, we'll put it somewhere. I don't know where to put it, but we'll put it somewhere on the social deets. Yeah, uh, just get, for stuff to look at. I'll get it out, but you guys have to tell me. You have to give me like a quick write up on like why for each title. You need to tell me why you recommend it. Man, I, that don't sound like something I'm. You got to do it. No, <laughs> I feel like my recommendation is enough. Well, then why you got to put a list out there? No one's gonna have to come back. No one listens to the program. Right. All right, we won't do that then. Okay, no list. All right, bail on it. You're gonna have to listen. Seems good. Okay. Uh, well, oh, last thing. Uh, the the space article. Oh, oh, but you, you want to talk about uh, starting disciplines? Oh, yeah. we better let's, do... let's save the space article. All right, we'll save space article. Okay. We're going to talk about it. Uh, so, actually, that falls in line a little bit uh, with uh, the, kind of some of that prayer stuff that Dan and I were just talking about. But um, I was thinking about it today. Like, uh, every time that I've tried to start a spiritual discipline, uh, are there, is there, what's, what's the spiritual disciplines? Like, is there a list? Yeah, prayer, fasting, solitude, quietness. Yeah, yeah. There's all, yeah. yeah. 
Foster it, has written quite a bit uh, on, on that. Is it, is it man contrived, or like is there a is there a Bible verse that we would go to and say these are spiritual disciplines? Uh, that's not really a no. No, oh, it's just a good practice thing by historical churches that the historical church that says, look, this is how it's done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, like, uh, so we'll call it prayer and and fasting and reading scripture and and. Yep, meditation. Okay. Yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah, meditation. Okay, so so let's say that you say that you wanted to start one, right? Like, yep. I, I I don't know how many times that I've ran into people that like, look, I just feel like me and God are disconnected, you know. And and my first question is, is like, how's your prayer life doing? Well, how's your Bible reading going? Uh, mm-hmm. Right, like all the things that would show that would be outward appearances or even inward functions of your uh, walk with Christ are they're not there. Right, and so like your heart says yes, I want to follow Jesus, and your the practice of your life is not doing anything to allow the Holy Spirit to move or interact in your life. Yep. You're basically saying I love you, Jesus, but the door is shut. I got this handled in here. There's nothing till in the soil. That's right. There's no. There's no. It's like flat, flat and arid in there. So let's say that you wanted to start one. Now I've been guilty of this. I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna start praying every day, and then I think to myself, I got this handled. And then I'll be hot dog. I get up at five thirty in the morning. And I'm so tired, I'm like falling asleep while I'm praying. And I can't think of a whole lot to pray about. Like I'm, I don't know, I get a couple, five minutes in, which felt like 20. And I'm like, well, I guess that's that's good. I'll, t- I'll go read my Bible. I'm already up. This would be great. I'll take care of the Bible reading too. And then like I'll find a book of the Bible, and uh, probably usually in the New Testament. And I'll read a couple, three chapters. And I'm like, eh, okay. Well, I did that. It kind of came back as nothing. Like, I, I physically read it, but uh, nothing really changed in me. I guess we'll try it again tomorrow. And then about three, four days in, I'm out. I'm done. It didn't yep. do anything. I didn't feel it, right? Yep. So what would you guys recommend? Uh, let's, let's, let's go with prayer first. Let's just take this as a week of prayer. Let's say that we wanted to start a spiritual discipline of praying. And I'm not, I'm not saying necessarily it's got to be 530 in the morning at the holy butt crack of dawn. Yep. Right? But if you wanted to start a spiritual discipline of praying... What's, one, a good way to get it started, two, uh, something that you could expect, that you should expect to, uh, so that you're aware of it, so that it's not a hurdle for you, like, as, as it goes on? Let, let, me, let me try to answer by asking you a question. Okay. If you decided tonight that you wanted to go try out for the Chicago Cubs, like, that's your goal. You want to become a professional baseball player. Yes. Okay. What would you What would you feel like you got to do tomorrow? I'd have to kneecap the first baseman and create an opening. Okay, okay. One hinder someone else that you might succeed. Hey, you asked me, but I'm saying I don't know that you're first in line. Like you kneecap the first baseman, they go. I wonder what Mike Foost from Pleasantville is doing. Okay, I got a kneecap. It's a long All first baseman. I'm going to need a team of larceny. It's a lot of Tanya Harding to try to get on first. I'm going to have to start training, Ben. Okay, so like so so like what though? How far off from the bigs am I? <laughs> I'm you. Level. I'm talking you. Current state. This is not a oh. hypothetical. This is you. Oh, well. tomorrow you hitting you knocking them out of the park. No, I got a lot of work to do. Yeah, you are you. I mean, are you ready? Can you you know how to cut the you know how to cut the bat? No, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna have to hit the iron you, and get some skills and probably even start single A ball. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're gonna have to start doing rudimentary things, right? Because you get you could go up there and start chucking the bat around, and about you're gonna be frustrated because you're not very good. Uh. Two, like, like, what else? What else about practicing are you? It needs to be true for you to keep keep up with it. I got to keep doing it. 
Okay, so one, you gotta you gotta sustain it. You gotta figure out a way to sustain it. But like, what things help you sustain it? Have a loop. What do you Have a loop. Have a loop. Have habit loop. The uh, uh, are you saying habit loop? Loop. Yeah. Okay, got it. Habit loop. What does that mean? Uh, it's like uh, it's from another book. It's uh, the power habit. Where he talks about uh, where there's a routine and a reward and a, a cue. Is that right, Dan? You've read that book. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, where you, you I was going to mention that book and, and I didn't because uh, I forget. <laughs> uh, I don't make a habit of reading it. <laughs> the way they get into any habit is having a cue uh, to do the habit and then you perform the habit. And then after the habit is done, there's some sort of reward for you having done this habit. What? What's the reward? Like a piece of chocolate? Yeah, soda? Sure, it could be anything. Whatever makes you happy. Mm. Hey, man, do you think that's right? Well, hold on. Let me finish out the, 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 the thing. We're going to come back to this to whether I should read my Bible for my own personal chocolate stash. Uh, <laughs> so so it, the reason the example came to mind is that like, if I want to play professional ball, tomorrow I'm going to have to start training. I'm going to have to get up and start practicing. I don't know how to do any of these things. And I'm going to have to recognize that like, for weeks... I'm not gonna. I'm not. I am not at an A caliber level. It's gonna take some time. Uh, I'm going to have to be able to see progress in some way or another. To, to like personally, just some way to understand that like I'm I'm progressing. Uh, two. Sometimes I don't even know the confines of what it looks like to do a good job, and so I'm gonna have to understand that. Three. I don't think I can do it by myself. I don't think like you out cutting cutting ball strikes uh, or, or, or strokes with the bat outside your house for like weeks on end is actually going to help you. I think you're going to need people around you to help, to provide encouragement, uh, to see that they're doing it too, and to learn from them. Um, and so, like, I, I think those things are applicable. If you wanted to start to pick up a habit of Bible reading, I mean, yes, you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to figure out uh, how to set aside time to do it consistently. Um, I think going through the motions to start is fine. Like, if you were going to run, if you're going to learn to run the bases fast, uh, you're going to have to start by running the bases slow and continuing to do it is what helps you get better at it. I don't even understand, to be honest with you, like you people who play basketball or baseball or something. And like if, if you're not very good at shooting, what do they what do they tell you to do to get better? Shoot more. Keep shooting. And like there's a magic in your brain where like you don't even it's not like you're consciously doing anything different. You're just like taking shots all over the place and they just get better over time. Like your brain fixes things in it. And so like, um, I, I think there's a level of we, if we want, especially something that is you supposed to do habitually, we have a false expectation that it's just going to like, like alter the world. Like you're going to immediately understand everything. I, in fact, I've been reading judges and there's, there were two chapters in the middle of Judges where, like, I've been doing a really good job kind of pay attention, digesting things, thinking about Scripture, and I, I lost two chapters in there. Just did not follow them. I know that. I read them. I read them twice. And, like, it's just not sinking in. I don't know why I can't seem to follow what's going on in these two chapters. And it's frustrating because, like, I've read many a chapter. But anyway, lo, long story short is that, like, I, I think you're going to need – so a, a trigger, you're going to have to commit to doing it. I think you're going to have to be gracious with yourself that you're not – you're not gonna have to. You're not always gonna be awesome at it. Just like you're so praying, you know. Uh, just pray whatever you can pray. Borrow words from other people. It's okay to watch the baseball video and see another guy do it, and then say, "Okay, I'm gonna try that." Borrow words from Jesus. Pray the things that Jesus is saying. Um, don't be upset if you don't feel the tinglers about having set aside prayer time. Like, 
it's it's not that you're saying I prayed for five minutes and I'm satisfied. You're saying in my current relationship, this is about as much as what I know to talk about. I, I just and it will get fuller and deeper the more that you're taking in other things, the more that you're interacting with God, the more the Spirit will drive what comes out of your mouth. You start saying stuff you wouldn't even realize was on your mind. But like, um, I think that I think those that's the way you start. You got to start it, but like, be be okay with it um, getting better over time. So if so, so let's let's stick with the prayer because I think all those things are true. But I think we need we need more solid, uh, specific examples. Right, so like you say, pray other people's words. Like what? Like how long? If someone was going to say, like, how long should I be praying? I, I don't know. Pray the Lord's prayer to start there. That's it. Start there. Okay. As a matter of fact, I, I would say, like, if you're not, <laughs> I the, don't know. What am I? I'm your pastor. Uh, am I supposed to be helping well, you I mean, understand how, the ways of the Lord? But I mean, how long should I pray? Like, that's a bogus question. That, yeah, but people don't know that. Yeah, okay. Mr. I understand all cultures and have <laughs> have patience for other people. Oh. I mean, if I would assume if you're trying to do a spiritual discipline of prayer, I might have, maybe you did. You're right. Okay. So yeah, like I would have asked that question. It, it doesn't matter how long. It doesn't matter how long. And I would say like if um if you even want to start shorter than that, you start with the Shema. Just do that. Do the you know, find time, find different parts um of of scripture and you can you can pray that. Pray the blessing from number 6. Like or even if you if you have some song lyrics like things that you uh, like like worship songs that stick with you pray that like find a way to posture that in a way that it's a prayer um, because there's a reason that that those words are sticking with you and so um, it, it it's remember you're not when you're praying it's not like you're creating magic with your words here you're just saying I'm giving dedicated time and acknowledgement of and petition of the the God who made me in the world yeah so and and then like I suppose as you go on. Like maybe add a couple of those things together, right? Yeah. Like pray the Shema and then sing a couple choruses of uh, of whatever your worship tune that's in your head, and then throw on, you know, some uh, some prayers of uh, that you're asking God to be involved in throughout the day or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. just yeah to help those conversations get started and go and like get yourself a base and then I, I yeah and and the most important thing is is like you have to keep doing it. Yes. It, you have to do it and you have to do it consistently. And it's not because God's going to be disappointed in you. It's because you're missing out on time with your father if you don't do it. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 like just because habits are good habits doesn't mean that they're easy to do. I mean, you you have to remind yourself that to exercise, you got to, I mean, sometimes you got to remind yourself, like, I'm supposed to brush my teeth. Like, there's, there's just things where, like, you could totally do something <laughs> you know. else. Nods in agreement. Yeah, that's a real yeah. booger. <laughs> but like, just be just because just be. It's not. It doesn't indicate something bad about you that you have to remind yourself to do it. It doesn't mean you don't like it. it doesn't mean you don't agree that it's good. It's like you're you're a, a fallible human being. It's okay to put have to put structures in. Actually, there's a um, there's a book by a guy named Dallas Willard called The Spirit of the Disciplines. Also a great book. Um, and he kind of talks about each of the different spiritual disciplines. Um. And and the value in things and and kind of along these lines like things that you do to otherwise nurture those those disciplines and like it's um uh it's okay to say look I, I got to box myself in for good things that's yeah. all right yeah. wasn't he super old when he wrote that book yeah yeah he was like how old is super old I don't know like in his seventies I think he's like just a dude who's you know living a Christian life and he's like you know I'll write this book and then uh, it was like the premier spiritual disciplines book for a while. It's good. Really? It's really good. Yeah. It's easy to read. He does a good job. Hmm. Okay, so spiritual discipline. 
walking into it, we're gonna we're gonna. That's our advice on prayer for this week. Yeah, as if like you have not been uh, working on the spiritual discipline of prayer. Um, I would consider it just as this is my personal opinion, like the biggest deficit, the biggest thing that is impeding um, the difference between what you know to be true in your head through sitting through church and reading your Bible uh, and the way that you're feeling. I think your your lack of, of spending time in prayer is a large source of that disconnect. Yeah. Um, so I would highly encourage you uh, to fire that up this week um, if you're not already doing it. And like, uh, our, our advice is just that. It's just, you know, lines in the sand, beginning places to hold on to. If you feel like you want to you journal as you pray, and that helps, do that, right? Do whatever, but do it, and do it consistently. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, re- repetition um, has got a bad connotation in our society. It's not. It's not bad. The Jews wouldn't have had a problem with it, um, like saying similar things over and over again. Uh, I mean, I don't, don't get in a chant or a trance or try to call on your dead grandma to show up or something like that. It's weird. Yeah, but, but you know, like it's 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 okay to repeat things. And and also like, just just so this doesn't come up as a problem tomorrow morning when you have a thousand other things to do, um, God gets your first and your best. So like, don't jam pack your schedule and be like, I got five minutes for Jesus today. That's your problem. You did that. You made every decision that allowed that to happen. God gets first and best. And so make room for it and, and make it healthy. Don't try to ask God to bless the two minutes you gave him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you give him whatever he asks for, and you give it wholeheartedly with a happy heart, with generous time, and, like, don't be trying to squeeze God into your busy schedule. If you don't have any time for God, then you're choosing that. So yeah. make, move some things around. I'm just as guilty of this. Everybody gets up and believes themselves to be very important and have all these important things to do, and, like, you totally had, you had half hour for sure in your day. For Jesus, and then you tried to be like, "I'll pray on the car on the way to drive into the store." That's lame. That's big time lame. Don't be doing that. Yeah, I mean, you can pray in the car too, uh, but don't be calling that your alone time with Jesus because you're also watching traffic, listening to the radio, and thinking about when you got to pick up your kids. So, like, you're not. You, that's that's not good. That's not what we're after. Yeah, and and I would say along those lines, you have, you know, even five minutes of just focused time. It's not like you have to have 10 hours here. No, it's, just it's, first and best. It's intentionality. Yes, it's first and best in intentionality. And you'll be surprised. I mean, think of the same the same thing you would in your relationship with your spouse. How often do you look your spouse in the eye when you don't want something? Like, you're just talking to them and you're looking them in the face and you're having a conversation that isn't transactional about the things that are going on in the house. Hey, how's how are you doing today? Like, actually, I, I mean, Nathaniel's to be commended is to go home and ask his wife, hey, how am I doing with this thing? What a great thing to do. Yeah. What a I great thing to do. I convicted after he said that. Yeah. And so, like, it's 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 um, the, the intentionality. Again, God's not going, well, it gets, if, it's, if it's not 10 minutes, it's nothing. Um, I, he'll drive it. You'll 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 get a sense of 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 what you can do or when you can do it, but like it's the intentionality of it, it's the focus of it, even in small increments. And the thing is, is like I think if you give him the ten and you do it consistently, you'll you'll want the fifteen, just like he wants the fifteen. You'll start to want the twenty, just like he wants the twenty. Right? Like yeah. that will grow. That's how a relationship grows. It's just like when you first meet your spouse when you're first dating, like you exchange a couple five-minute conversations, and then a month later you're talking for three hours, listening to each other breathe on the phone, yeah. and someone says, I'm going to go to the bathroom. They lay the phone down, and you're like an idiot sitting there on the other end of the phone waiting for them to come back, right? Like, yeah. that's what we're after. Yeah, You're like, I don't want to leave this conversation. I want to stay in this. 
I want to know what's going on with the other person. That's what that will look like. Yeah. Okay. Spiritual discipline. Prayer time. You ready? Do you want to do advice? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we gotta, yeah. We got to go. Yeah, what do you want? There. <sighs> Live from the path. Oh, this is a good one. I'm a very successful 55-year-old married man. I love my wife, but I have a girlfriend I also love. <laughs> I see. Both women feed my soul. I hate that society tells me I'm wrong for having the two of them. I spend quality time with both. I make enough money to go on expensive, extended vacations. I love my life. These two ladies are the best thing that ever happened to me besides my three beautiful children. Why shouldn't I be able to enjoy both of them without feeling like I'm sneaking around all the time? I know there are going to be naysayers who respond, but most women will probably never be the only woman in a man's life. That's it. That's the question. (laughs) Why can't I have these two ladies? <laughs> Most, <laughs> what a skewed version, like view of the world. Well, I mean, he pretty much nailed it. Hold on, let me see. The two ladies are the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm sure. Yeah. You yeah. can just put a period and get rid of the rest of the article. Yeah. I got everything me. I want. <laughs> just me. Yeah. That'd be like saying, you know what's best for me? When I go to the store, don't pay for anything. Yeah. <laughs> this is what's best for me. He basically just described, look, I get to do what I want, I get to take what I want when I want it, and I don't owe my full loyalty to anything. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty sweet that he, you walk he, around. He doesn't mention if his uh, wife is enjoying this whole idea, if she even knows about it. I, I, I don't even know that it crossed his buffoon mind, Yeah, whether it, how she feels about it or not. I mean, he assumes, I guess. Didn't that, he mention sneaking around? Yeah, he is sneaking yeah, yeah, around. he's sneaking. Which means that she ain't going to like it. Just tell her. Hey. You're just one of many. Yeah. I did. What, what was the, what was the phrase he said? I don't think most most women need to realize that they won't be the sole focus of a man's but life. But most women will probably never be the only woman in a man's life. Why not? Where is he getting that from? And his swinging Bahama buddies, <laughs> who all act like this, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's what, so? If I have to answer the question plainly, what's wrong with it? Why can't I do this? You certainly can. Uh, you seem to be, uh, but it is it is uh, entirely selfish. You are using people. You're using your wife, and you're using this other lady. And just because they're not complaining about it doesn't mean they're not being used. You know, and so they also don't know about it. Uh, I I bet the girlfriend knows. Oh yeah, probably. the girlfriend probably knows about so. the wife. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the wife doesn't know. So really what he's asking is, why do I have to hide this from my wife? Well, I mean, here's the deal. Yeah, Mr. Bold to the world wrote anonymously <clears throat> into the internet uh, as opposed to telling your wife. I mean, what does that say about you? Yeah, you're leaving. You're living a heck of a life. You're cowering in a corner, afraid yeah. of your wife. Yeah. Because you know it's wrong, you jackwagon. Yeah. Like, you were aware that this is a problem. That's why you're hiding it, and that's why you haven't told her yet. And so if you're if you're saying, hey, why can't I do this? Uh, I mean, whatever this is, has perpetuated your ability to be a coward. So yeah. let's start there. Your measure of a man uh, is left wanting. Yeah, the reason you can't do it is because your wife wouldn't agree to it. You wouldn't be married anymore, <laughs> right? That's the thing is you already tell her if, if this would be fine. If the thing is, is like as soon as your wife finds out that this is what's going on, that you're a wanton dude like this and causing this type of trouble, you're going to lose everything you, have, you ever had, right? Yep. Like you're yep. living on a very, like the most <clears throat> celebrated half inch of your life right now right and mm-hmm. like you are you are walking on either one more step either direction 
and you're done. And you're really happy with yourself. You're really proud that you're getting away with this and you're pulling it off and you make big money. And like you just listed all the things that are eventually going to leave you with nothing. Right? Like, I'm sure that you're having some kind of physical relationship <laughs> with both these people. You're 55 years old. You ain't got, this ain't going to last that much longer, friend. Right? Yeah. Your money's going to run out and not be able to buy you anything. And you're going to have no one to spend the money on or with because you use them to the point that, like, they're not invested in you anymore. This is why God set up marriage the way that He did. It's like you're basically setting yourself up for a one, one time use and throwaway operation. And then. And, and and then you're going to be left on your own, and you're going to go. Yeah, that's why people don't do this. Yeah, it's because you can you can take and take and take and take, and then just like Roadhouse says, until someone takes you. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, this is the first Ghostbusters movie. We're like you get to the end, and they say uh, choose your destructor, and you're like two ladies, all the money I can handle, lots of rich vacations, and you choose like you think it's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, something you love that is never going to cause you problems, and it is going to destroy you. Yeah. Yeah, you're a dummy. And these three kids you claim to love more than the two of these ladies. Really? Like, you're willing to sacrifice the stability of their lives and, frankly, how they think of women. You think, here's the quiz question, answer honest. You think it would not devastate them um, when your wife finds out that this is what's going on? Yeah. Would you love it when uh, there's a dude doing this to one of your daughters? Yeah. Would you think, yeah, that's awesome. I don't know why he can't have both. Right. You wouldn't think that. Yeah, and and unless you think – here's the thing. If you thought – no, you're in a real pickle. Because if you thought that it would be all right and that your kids would be enriched by it, you would have told your wife already. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't be acting like this. Like like you done like you're the most sexually active eunuch I've ever met. Mm-hmm. You got no stones in in the in the game here. Mm-hmm. But if you know it's going to harm them, uh, then you're being deceitful. And you and and you know that. And you know it's a weakness of yours and yet you continue to persist like a selfish bastard that you are. Yeah, I can't believe we entertained this question. Yeah. Let's see what secular says. Maybe maybe she's a lot more nice to him. Dear, oh boy, Segular says, this may seem like a silly, unimportant detail, but how do your wife and your mistress feel about this arrangement? You mentioned that you feel like you are sneaking around. Why is that? Isn't your wife on board with it? And how about your mistress? Will she be satisfied with the status quo until she's a senior citizen with the understanding that you will leave her a very rich old lady? It's not lost on me that nowhere in your letter have you asked for advice. I'm printing this because we all know there are married men in the upper income brackets who, like you, feel entitled to enjoy the attentions of more than one woman. But all of it demonstrates is that having money does not guarantee a person has character or class. Wow. Zing! Boom, boom! Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. That's right. Here we go. Last one. Okay. Dear life. Dear life. From the past. I was married for almost 20 years to a jealous, controlling man. Quotes Pete was emotionally abusive, which I didn't really notice, because I'm not confrontational. What? I would just try to make him happy and ignore his controlling behavior. Toward the end of our marriage, I realized how isolated I had become. I'd pushed away most of my friends and family away. They didn't want to visit because of Pete's negative attitude. Our daughter developed an illness in her teens that requires 24-hour care. Her illness doesn't necessarily upset him. What did upset him is the attention she would require in the future. He would say things like, She's ruining our retirement. I was looking forward to having you to myself and not having to deal with anyone. This is when I realized how controlling it was. It felt like I had been wearing a blindfold and then I could finally see. I immediately filed for divorce. A year afterward, I started seeing an old friend I'll call Darren. Someone my husband had often accused me of cheating with. He did that with any man I knew, by the way. Mm-hmm. I really like Darren. I could see a future with him. He treats my daughter great and doesn't mind that when we go out, she has to tag along. Pete is now saying that if I date Darren, it's proof that I cheated on him. 
I don't want my ex to think for a minute that our marriage ended because I cheated because it's not true. Yep. So I broke up with Darren because I refused to accept him being labeled as the person who broke up my marriage. What would you do? I mean, not that. Yeah. Yeah, you're still I think letting I, him control you. <laughs> Stop that? taking the advice of a controlling, jealous, jerk face of an ex-husband, I guess. That's weird. Yeah. Him. <laughs> yeah. Nathaniel, you take one more breath. That means you're cheating on me. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> That's the type of yeah. thing the guy, he draws a line in the sand. That's arbitrary. makes no sense at all. And you go, oh, no. And then you hold your breath in the corner until you pass out night. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you eat banquet TV dinners because you're out all night having sex. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I got him. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's dumb. Uh, that's a real mess you got on your hands, though. I mean, you divorced him. It's, you're divorced, right? Yeah. Done. Yeah. Yeah, like, the other part's kind of irrelevant. Like once you said this guy was a was a was a jack and apes, and then uh, so we are no longer together. Yeah, Pete is now saying that if I date Darren, it's proof I cheated on him. I don't know why Pete's saying anything. Well, what does that even matter? Well, I mean, if it's over, and why are you picking up passed? the phone when Pete calls? Yeah, Pete tried to get rid of your your oldest child who has a twenty four hour illness that I, I'm assuming you're taking care of now, and uh, yeah, I, I I would stop answering the phone. I would probably yeah. take Pete out of my contact list and be like blocked. I don't take messages from Pete anymore. Yeah, right. Like, I don't... I, 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 I mean, I've never gone through it, I guess. But, like, I, I do... If you've divorced someone, like, it's time to just be apart from them. Like, there's no reason to... Like, who goes through the really, really rough process of separating from someone to get some relief from whatever drama or, or dust-ups you were a part of just to continue the drama and dust-ups afterward. Like, yeah. for heaven's terrible. sakes, man, I hate that you chose this option, but like, if you're going to choose the option, at least get the earthly value out of it by not continuing to like indulge in your divorce drama. Yeah. I guess I, 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 yeah, I can't figure out why you give two, two craps of a, of a bird flock. Why? What Pete says to you. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. No, not at all. Got nothing else. Nathaniel? See you later, Pete. Yeah, Pete's out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't think of any reason to, to continue to interact with this man. Mm-mm. Like, like if if he's otherwise abdicated responsibility for his kid and is a otherwise a jerk, like, yeah, just cut it off. He doesn't change your number. He doesn't need to know where you live. He doesn't need to know your phone number. You don't have to like block him. Do whatever you got to do. It's just not your not your problem anymore. Her illness doesn't upset her. She requires 24-hour attention. He said she's ruining our retirement. You feel like you'd ever say that about your kid if they befell an illness? I mean, I really hope not. <laughs> seems real uh, Seems real selfish. I mean, now here's, well, here's, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I don't begrudge a man for thinking that. Like, if you had, like, something happens to someone around you, I, I'm not... I don't know that I, I begrudge someone that this thought occurred. You, you don't say it out loud. But though. you no. don't say it out loud. It's probably okay to lament the fact that the opportunity of what your retirement could have been is now lost. Yeah. yeah. I think it's okay yeah. to mourn that. That, like, you had plans to sit on the beach with your woman doing nothing, and you're like, ah, well, I mean, dang, that would have been great. I think that's okay. Yep. And totally within rights. But, like, to look at your kid and go, She's ruining our retirement, as if she's a third party to the whole operation. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. That's pretty bad. I don't know. That should have taken Pete off the list of people to listen to, even when you were married. Yeah. Right? He's saying crap like that. You don't like Pete? I just don't want to listen to you. 
You don't make no sense. Yeah. All right. Let's see what Secular says. Secular says, what would I do? I would once and for all quit allowing my ex to control me. I'd call Darren and talk with him about why I ended the relationship and ask if he would consider resuming it, where the two of us left off. If he was willing, I would move forward. However, if he isn't, I'd find a licensed psychotherapist who could give me the tools to avoid my ex's manipulations in the future. Boy, she's on fire tonight. Give me the tools. Yeah, the mental tools. Oh. The mental agruity. I was like, you know, hit hit the block button. I'm sure there's instructions online for this type of thing. Some people can't pull this off. Yeah. The fortitude. Fortitude. The you think it's all right? Can you hand it to, uh, uh, if you can't do it personally, does it matter if you do it personally? Or can you hand your phone and say, look, I can't seem to do this. I need you to block this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's okay to hand yeah. it off. Yeah. As okay. long as you block it. I, I need a new phone number. He'll find a way around it. Yeah. Here's the thing: is that like that always seems like uh, um, it's not it's not rash. They're just they're it's just an address, like it's just a phone. Just think of the think of the freedom that comes from finding separation from some sort of uh, joker that's harassing yeah. you. Here's the thing: is all we're saying about Pete, and this is true about just keep this in mind about folks in your life. All you're doing is denying instant access to you. That's all you are doing. All you're saying is that like. You don't get to, to, to instantly access me, right? You still know where I live. You can still write a letter. You know, <laughs> there's a thousand ways to communicate. All I'm saying is, like, as far as my phone is concerned, you don't get to call and interrupt me and tell me what to do. You don't get to text me crappy things. Those are just two things. And, like, Pete is going to be like, how dare you cut me off? No one cut you off, Pete. You're just going to have to drive over and knock on the door, and I'll decide whether I'm going to let you in based on your attitude today, <laughs> right? And, like... That's just reasonable. Yeah. Those are completely reasonable terms to set. If someone can't behave themselves, then, yeah, you get to say you don't get instant access to me. My friends do. My family does. Emergencies do. This kind of behavior does not. And that's okay. That is a legit boundary. Don't feel guilty about it or terrible about it. So it's time to say, Pete, you're out of my phone. We're done with you. Yeah. You come over if you want to stop by and talk to me about something. Yeah. But you best be calm because Darren's going to be here. Yeah. And he don't like the looks of you. Yeah. All right, you've been listening live from the path. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. We really do appreciate it. Now would be a good time if you have not rated the program to give it uh, five stars, one star, two and a half, whatever it is that uh, gives you the tickle wheelies, and uh, put that in into your uh, favorite podcast provider just so we know that you're out there listening. If you want to leave a comment, uh, that would be great too. I don't, I forget to check uh, to check them, and so I have to go out every once in a while, and then I get de- mounds of delight to see that you're interacting with the program. So please do that. That would be fantastic. Also, if you want to get a hold of us, you can do so via phone call or text message at the Live from the Path Bob Eisenhower complaint line. That's 515-517-0085. 515-517-0085. That's the uh, complaint line. And uh, you, you can use it for complaints. That's what we believe it would be used for. But if you have something jolly to say, you may do it on there as well. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some things this week you could interact with. Uh, how does that... Uh, uh, the description of the, the marriage stuff that we started off with, does that fit your life? Uh, have you seen it play out, or uh, we did wrong on there? We got the thing mixed up, and we're missing opportunity to speak about it better. Also, uh, any advice for people uh, jumping in on spiritual disciplines? Or maybe you're um, maybe you're kind of motivated to try one out and, and hop in on some committed prayer life or, or a Bible reading or something, and you just want to share that with somebody? We'd love to be praying about that with you. I know... Uh, uh, you know, frankly, I need accountability for that kind of thing. I um, not uh, not heavy. I beat you up, where someone else becomes the replacement for the Holy Spirit. But I mean, like, I just know that someone else cares whether I'm reading my Bible or not. And uh, actually, we started this recently. I'm feeling pretty good by like uh, ten days or so in and uh, rocking a streak. So, 
Anyway, give that stuff a shot uh, and let us know if you got any thoughts, questions, or uh, concerns for the program. We'd love to hear back from you. I believe. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, just a heads up. Uh, we do have some guests coming in. It's been quite a while. Uh, the, the COVID took all the guests out. So uh, we're going to start uh, filling the seat up with some outside voices. And uh, we're excited to bring those to you. In the meantime, be faithful in the mean. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.